Today we have a question from Doug who writes, Dear Ted, I love the way your videos look. I also like the way your audio comes out in the end. I'm starting my own YouTube channel and I was wondering if you could share your video recording setup for your vlogs in your studio. Love what you do. Thanks, Doug. Doug, you bet. So I am happy to share that with you guys in this video, but I do want to preface it by saying this. The most important thing in doing videos is not letting the equipment get in the way with actually the creative work that you're trying to do. What I have works for me and it's the result of many years of experimenting with different things and trying different things and kind of landing at something that works. I did not start out this way. My first video was done with a camera that I borrowed. It used this weird digital tape and you had to digitize it into the computer with this firewire cable and then you had to deinterlace it and all this stuff and then I bought a really cheap camera. Anyway, my point is, is never let the equipment get in the way of your creative vision as a photographer and don't let things like the final overall look of something like a talking head bog you down and not let you produce results. Having said that, Let's get to uh, showing you what I use here. So I wanna start with this. This is arguably far more important than any camera that you might use. Whoa, we are overexposed. This is by far going to have the most impact on the overall look of your videos of anything. And this is a soft box. I will put a link in the description. I believe it's a Westcott. It's not expensive. It's on a cheap stand and it just has a cheap light in here. But my point is, is that when you have a diffuse light and I only use one and it's just off to a 45 degree angle as a key light, it can make a world of difference and it can make lesser equipment actually look right in the end, if that makes sense. So highly recommend if you start anywhere, start with your lighting, it is key. A little bit of lighting goes a long way. It's still in frame. Let's talk about cameras. And just as a side note, I record all of my videos at 24p in 4K. And there are two things that are really important to me and I get really anal retentive about these. One is image stabilization. Shaky footage drives me nuts. And the other thing is autofocus. Autofocus footage drives me crazy. Not that I'm perfect at it, but for those two reasons, I end up using a gimbal and I'll get into that in just a second. And that's why I tend to go with Sony cameras and I'll show you those. But the fourth camera that I use in that setup is this. This, which is a GoPro Hero 4. This is the smallest camera and they kind of go up from here. And the reason I like to get really small is because it's easy to film and I don't want a situation where I'm not filming because it was too much to bring or too cumbersome to deal with. And so in those situations, that's where the GoPro is excellent. This is the Hero 4, sorry, this is the Hero Black 7. Hero 7 Black, whichever they call it. The two things I love about this, one, the image stabilization is outstanding. I mean, it looks like a gimbal. It is incredible. The second thing is it's tiny. It fits in your pocket. And so really there's never an excuse not to be able to film. Now this camera does have limitations. It is a very wide angle and it doesn't do that great in low light because it's a really tiny image sensor. It does okay, but the image stabilization isn't as good in low light. So it has some limitations, but for outdoor filming, that's super convenient, super easy to use. The GoPro is highly recommended, which brings me to a slightly larger camera. This is the Sony RX105. It has been replaced since by the 5A, and this is an excellent camera. So is the 5A. It basically took this and added some things on. I also have the RX106. I don't use that as much for video, although I do like that as a stills camera. The difference is, is this has built-in neutral density filters. And so when I'm filming with my Sony cameras, I tend to want my motion to look a certain way. So I kind of adhere pretty strictly to the 180 degree shutter rule. That 
basically means that you need to be shooting double your frame rate in terms of your shutter speed. So if I'm shooting at 24 frames a second, double that is 48. The closest I can come to that is 150th of a second. This will do it. If you're shooting at 150th of a second, if you're out in bright sunlight, you're going to probably have trouble stopping the lens down far enough, and that's not the look you want anyway. So this has built-in neutral density filters, and so I can just turn these on. The difference between this and why they don't exist in the ARX 106 is they redesigned the lens in that camera, and the distance between the rear lens element and the sensor is so tight they don't have room for the neutral density filter. So if you are into filming and you want to use something like a point and shoot, this is the ARX 105. The 5A is fantastic too. They both have neutral density filters and they work great. This is the same one that I did a review on a couple years ago. I've since cracked the screen on it and I also use these little things which are Rycote wind jammers and they're basically little fluffy things that you stick on. They look absurd but what they do is they block out wind noise. So if I'm out and about, if I'm vlogging and there's wind at all, if you've ever filmed that way you know that it makes horrendous noises in your microphones. This will block that out and the built-in mics on here are not that bad and a lot of people get hung up with the audio and they really want to be able to plug in a mic but to be honest the portability and when you put this into a specific context where you have music and ambient noises from the street and things like that people really aren't going to notice as much. I wouldn't use this to film an entire interview with obviously or for this in-studio kind of thing that I do but it works great for just general use vlogging. Now this is not that steady so I do use this with a gimbal and the gimbal that I use is the uh, EVO or EVO can't remember how you say it. I found some reviews online, so I went with it, and I think it's basically a rebrand of the Xiaoyun Crane, but supposedly they make their own drivers and their own firmware for the motors in here. Anyway, I've had excellent luck with this. The battery life is unbelievably good. It just takes two 18650 batteries, I believe, and they're rechargeable, and you get like 30 hours of use before they die, and so like basically, I never think about it. Like once every two months or so, I'll recharge them out of guilt, but uh, it works fantastically. Other thing I like about this, this is the Evo Rage S and it fits not only the RX105, but it also fits the Sony a6300 and the a6400. I use the a6300, but anyway, if I can use one gimbal, it makes it even better. And this is the smaller of the gimbals that they make, and it is just outstanding, so highly recommended. Which brings us to the Sony a6300, which is a step up in terms of flexibility of what you're going to get. It's not quite as small as the RX100 series, but it's not a compact. You can change the lenses on here, APS-C size sensor, so you're going to get a little bit better low-light performance. And once again, I have used the Rode mics on here and they're okay, but so are the built-in mics and I end up kind of using those a lot. I don't have the wind jammers on this camera, so I'll use this indoors when I'm in a little bit lower light. But I use this in conjunction with the gimbal. Super easy to use once you have it set up. There's a little pen, you just attach it like you would on a tripod. And the key to using a gimbal correctly is to have it properly balanced. And what that means is basically when I am powered off on the gimbal, it will stay relatively still. And if I just turn it a couple ways, it won't like want to fall back the other way, which is really important. The reason you want to do that is because you're going to put a lot less strain on your motors and you're not going to wear out your gimbal and you're going to get better battery life as well. But this is a super awesome vlogging setup. It is very light. I do have it with this optional stand down here. So if I want to set it down, I'm not trying to lie it down. It's not quite as throw and go as a Joby Gorilla Pod would be, but it's going to be really steady in terms of the smoothness in your footage. This one I feel like I can vlog on very easily. You can hold it right out. I use the 10 to 18 millimeter lens, which is good enough. I never liked the 16 millimeter pancake. That's the lightest they make for this camera. I really hate that lens actually. This one I do like and it's excellent for vlogging and the autofocus is fantastic. Sony 
tend to offer for me the best in terms of facial recognition. And when you're vlogging, that's really important because these don't have flip out screens. And even when they do, sometimes you really can't see that you're right in focus or if it's drifting. And so I feel like at least with the Sony cameras, I can trust these as unmanned cameras. I'll give you another situation. When I do the artist series videos, I usually go in there with two full frame cameras, but I always pick Sony's because it's just me doing the filming and I can't sit there and monitor the cameras while I'm doing an interview and adjust focus. I have to be able to be present and ask questions and conduct the interview. So for me, I really feel like Sony I can trust is having an unmanned camera. So once you have it set up, you have it framed up, any slight movements, it's just going to pick up and detect. And so I that's, that's one of the main reasons I go with Sony cameras. So this is basically the outdoor on the road vlogging setup. Now let me show you the studio setup. I want to say this real quick because I know somebody's going to say, well, what are you filming with if you're showing us your studio rig? Well, I'm actually filming on my old studio rig, which I'll talk about in a second, but this is what I've been using for really every video that I've done this year that's been in the studio and even some of my on the road videos. I've done artist series with this rig. Uh, it's excellent. And this is kind of what's taken me a long time. Now, it's not the easiest in terms of simplicity, but that's what the vlogging cameras are for. Those That's when I need to just be able to run and gun and film something. This is when I'm going to sit down and going to light something and be in the studio. So I'll just kind of show you what's going on here. This is the Sony a7 III, which is one of my favorite cameras that's come out in the last year. It's a full frame mirrorless camera and I record everything at 4K. And by the way, in all my Sony cameras, I shoot an S-Log3 and I prefer the log profile because it gives you a little bit flexibility in post if you know how to meter it uh, because it's not just going to be straight out of the camera. You need to be able to expose to the right with a histogram, but it does make a world of difference. And I have a lot of control over the color, sharpness, and the whole image really for that matter. If I'm in some situation that's really contrasty, Sometimes I can bring some shadow detail out. So it gives me more flexibility to do that with. The standard profile that comes out of the Sony cameras looks fantastic too. Don't feel like you have to do log footage. That's just personal preference. I shoot log on all my cameras. Um, anyway, that is the camera. Now what I do is, well, I have the Zeiss Battis lens on here. This is the Battis 25 millimeter. I also have the 18 that I like a lot. That one is in repair with Zeiss right now. I'm waiting for that to come home. So I'm stuck with the 25. I have a couple other lenses I use, but this is my main setup for the videos that you guys see. What I do is I take an HDMI signal out the back of this and it's not on right now, but this is the Ninja 5 or the Ninja V. I'm not really sure how you say it by Atomos. And this is a really awesome device because it allows you to not only monitor because you do not have a flip screen, it gives you an incredible monitor. And the Ninja 5 or the Ninja V uh, also has the ability to record. Uh, you put a hard drive into the back of it and it'll give you ProRes 422 footage in up to 10 bit straight off the, well, not on this camera because it's only 8 bit, but it has the capability to do that. It also has capability to do HDR footage if that's something you're into, but it gives you a lot of flexibility. So I will use that to kind of frame things up, check my exposure. Sometimes I record onto it additionally. And then the one other piece that I have, and you're probably seeing these LEDs that are flying over here with the meters when I talk, this is my microphone setup. And this is kind of how I have it when it's on that camera. You just don't see it because it's under the lens, but I am using a Sennheiser. I think this is an ME66, which is not the super top end but it is not super cheap either, but it's really worth it because if you have a good mic, you're going to get good audio. If you're in a studio situation where it's really quiet, there's no street noise, no ambient noise, it makes a huge difference. And so basically this is a powered mic. And so I was looking for a way to get it into the camera and I really haven't found something that totally works the way I want it to. But then I found this, which is one of my favorite things ever. This is made by a company called Sound Devices. 
It's called the Mix Pre 3, and it is a three-channel recorder and mixer. And so I use this not only for these videos, I just use one channel, and then what I do is I sync the audio up in post-production. Um, but I use it for these videos, but I also use it for the podcast that I do. I guess this is where the shameless plug goes. If you are not listening to the podcast, you are missing out. It's like an hour-long talk that I have with my friend Jaron Schneider. We release these every Sunday. Link in the description. What kind of marketer would I be if I didn't mention that? But back to the sound devices, what's really cool about it is if Jaron and I, and we did a show with Mark Weir who works at Sony, when the three of us are in a room, you can record everything onto here and it has different modes. Like you can record just like straight to like as if you had a tape recorder, it's just a live mix, or you can make it so it will record three separate tracks and they're all combined into one. So you can have a lot of flexibility in post-production. But what's awesome about the Mix Pre 3 is first of all, sound devices are known for making really expensive audio gear for video production, like on movie sets where you'd have a boom mic. And what's really cool about this one is it's a lower price model, but still has excellent preamps in it, and the limiters are fantastic. So basically that means if I talk too loud and it spikes it, it typically won't distort. And that's one thing I really like about this. And obviously this is where my audio is coming from right now. So this I'm a big fan of this. The other thing is when you're looking for a mic to use in a studio situation, what I like about this microphone is is known as a shotgun mic. So it has this long design to it. And basically what it's designed to do with its pickup pattern is it rejects sounds or frequencies that are behind the mic or it suppresses them at least. They're not totally invisible. But this is nice if you're in a room and like this one that does not have great acoustics. If you have a reverb that's coming off the floor, it just won't pick up. It has a more narrow pickup pattern that is just straight off the front. And a lot of times when you see like people doing movies and stuff like films, you'll see somebody who just has the boom mic that they're holding over the actors and they're usually using something like this that's going to record that sound. And so anyway, this is the setup that I'm using for 99.9% of my studio stuff. I've experimented with some other cameras in the last year. I have a GH5. I really like that as well. In fact, that's an excellent camera. It's just the autofocus is not to where you're going to trust it unmanned. I've also used the Nikon Z6, which is fabulous. The only reason that I'm kind of not going with the Z6 more is I really like to use the same model and as many cameras as I can, or at least the same manufacturer. So it makes it easier to match up color when you're putting your video together in, in the edit. Um, for instance, if I used Nikon mixed with Sony, there's going to be some differences that probably I only I'm going to see, but maybe somebody else would. But anyway, it just is easier to kind of work within those confines. But both those cameras are excellent. The Z6 is awesome, as is the Panasonic G5, GH5. And the only one that I make the exception to, because it's the only one like it, is the GoPro Hero 7, which is just so tiny and it's unbelievable. Um, in terms of this setup that I'm recording with now, I told you I'd mention that. This is a setup I used for a number of years. This is the original Sony A7S. It doesn't have great autofocus, but I sit close to it and I just do it manually. And then this goes into uh, Atomos Ninja Flame Recorder, which is very similar to the one I just showed you, but this is my older basic studio setup. I've just kind of upgraded a few things in the last two years. For editing, many of you know, because I did a video on this on a few weeks ago, I've been experimenting with video editing on an iPad this year, and it's been a total game changer for me. And how this came about was last year when they did the Apple event where they were talking about the new phones, they were going on and on about the A12 chip and how amazing a processor it is and how fast it is. And I got to thinking, you know, what if I were able to actually edit 4K video on my phone? Like how awesome would that be? Because I travel a lot during the year. And if you've ever tried to edit video on a laptop, on a plane and it's tiny and the thing's got turbulence and then they bring a drink around and there's nowhere to put it and it just gets weird. Over the holidays, I upgraded my phone and I actually put that to the test. I found this app called LumaFusion that I absolutely love. It's like all the things I get frustrated with how boxed in and Fisher Price feeling 
iMovie can be. LumaFusion's more like Final Cut, and it's absolutely fantastic, and I've absolutely fallen in love with that app. I did a couple demo videos just to see if I could do it on my phone, and I could not believe it. I mean, it blew my mind. This thing actually renders 4K video much faster than my 2014 iMac. Now, that iMac is a little bit old, but it does make me wonder, well, why don't Apple put this kind of processing power in real desktop computers? But anyway, it started getting me to look at mobile a little more seriously. So I started watching some YouTube videos. I came across Henny's channel. I mentioned him in the last video. I think he's fantastic. And I really haven't looked back. I started working on the phone in LumaFusion. And the only thing that got frustrating to me is even though this is a large screen for phone standards, it's still kind of weird if you're spending a lot of time editing video and you're color grading and you're just kind of zoned in on the small area. So it's a little bit fatiguing really quickly to work on the phone. So I thought, well, I'm going to use the iPad. And I thought, well, maybe I need to go out and buy a new iPad Pro. Well, this is an iPad Pro, but it's actually last year's model or the previous years, I guess, at this point. It's a 2017 and it's got the A11 processor and it's amazing too. And I, it's, it, it's just phenomenal how I'm able to work this way in terms of portability. When I travel, I've done every video, including this one, every video this year, except the first one of the year has been edited on the iPad. And I really haven't run into too many limitations. It has LUT support. If you want to grade log footage, um, there are a few limitations uh, because it's a younger app. It's not as mature as something you'd find on the desktop, but it's a bunch of former Avid people who put this app together. LumaFusion is what I'm talking about. If you guys would like to see me do some videos on LumaFusion, I realize this is a photography channel, but photography and video, like the line is really kind of blurry between them anymore. Maybe that would be useful for you guys. So let me know in the comments, drop me a comment and tell me if you want to see me do some stuff on LumaFusion, because I'm happy just to show you how I edit and what works for me on here and why I like it so much better than working on a desktop. Uh, it's been a complete game changer for me, like I said. So that is my setup for making videos. I hope you guys found this useful. One thing I want to say though, that I think is really important. I said this at the beginning of the video, never get so caught up in the equipment or I think what I see a lot of people doing is they're thinking that if they only had this camera or this other thing, that it would make their video so much better. So I'm going to wait until I can afford that. Don't do that. The equipment is secondary to the story you're telling and what you're creating and what you're communicating. And I think those are really the important things. If you want something that's less expensive, that can make a world of difference. It was the first thing I showed you, which is this light. That's going to be a big game changer and the rest will come with time. And that's why I say over and over again, like my favorite quote in the world, world is the Theodore Roosevelt quote, do what you can with what you have. Just get out and do it. That's the best advice that I can give you guys. I hope you guys found this useful. Until the next video, I'll see you guys then. Later. <laughs>